This is the Marriage Bites Podcast, Episode 50, Keep the Brain BS Out of Your Relationship, Part 1, with Maureen Kafkis. Welcome back to the Marriage Bites Podcast. I have a very special episode for you today. I have my guest, Maureen Kafkis, who is here to talk about relationship patterns. I know we talk about this kind of a lot on our podcast, but it is so important. I'm so glad to have Maureen here to share her expert insights with us about how we can change the patterns in our lives to make our relationships better. So Maureen, will you introduce yourself? Yes, my name is Maureen Kapkis. I am the Brain BS Coach. And when I say brain BS, that is subconscious and unconscious programming that we don't even realize is there that's creating an impact on our lives that we probably don't want. So I teach people how to master that brain BS for success, however they want to define that, and create a nervous system to support it because it's not all thought work. It also takes feelings work. So it's a mind-body connection type of thing. And I love talking about what we're going to talk about today. Because it, the majority of the time we are in our unconscious and subconscious programming in our relationships and people don't realize that. And it's creating lots of problems that don't need to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So can you give me an example of who you work with? So basically somebody listening to this podcast episode is going to realize that they have different parts of them inside them and it goes way back. So it goes way back to when you were little. And you have you were first disappointed by somebody. It could be your mom not giving you the bottle, or it could be a brother pinching you, or whatever it is. And that those emotions become a part of your DNA. And you don't, we don't acknowledge the majority of things that happen to us. And then we get older and it's just all buried inside us. And we don't realize it's not until the age of seven that we start to come up with our own ideas and concepts. When people become aware of this and they realize they have what Terrence Real, who wrote the book Us, calls your maladaptive child self is the person who didn't get the bottle, right? Mm-hmm. And then as you get a little bit older, you create an adaptive child self that you actually think is an adult version of you, but it's not because it's all based on your ego and brain BS and that early programming that you got. So then the idea is to evolve into your wise adult self. Mm -hmm. And what will happen is if people listen to this episode and they really pay attention, they're going to realize how many times they're reacting and being triggered by someone, especially in marriage on a regular basis. I've been married 20 years. Yep. Um, They're going to realize that you can learn to respond instead of react. So it's really about living consciously. It's about choosing your thoughts, understanding what's going on in your brain and deciding how to deal with that and how to respond to it. So how does somebody recognize if they are being reactive or if they're responding? Okay. So, so what happens is you're, so you have your go-to way. He, Terrence real calls it your relational stance. And I think that's a really good way of describing it. It's your habits, patterns, and routines for when someone is making you mad or you get triggered. So typically, when you react immediately to somebody doing something that makes you mad or feeling an intense emotion, that's a reaction. Mm -hmm. And the reason that you know it's a reaction is the way it feels in your body. It usually does not feel good. Mm -hmm. It's a response. It's usually... It, there's a pause. 
There's a distancing yourself from the thought and what's taking place and becoming sort of the observer of what's going on in your mind and not being in it. And then you're able to slow down and respond. And usually when you do that, there's not, I mean, sometimes you might decide that you want to be angry or raise your voice or whatever, but typically it just feels totally different in your body. And that's how you know whether you're reacting or responding. Mm -hmm. And so what do you think is the biggest or one of the main causes or maybe the few main causes of people being reactive? What are they reacting to? Well, okay. So, I mean, this is a major question (laughs) and because this happens like all day, like we're almost always reacting and not responding, especially people who haven't done any of the work on going into their subconscious and unconscious programming. I mean, 95% of the time we're in reactive mode. Mm-hmm. So like, I could probably give you more examples where you're not reacting than I like, cause I could go on all day with the reacting. So like when your husband or partner or whoever it is, doesn't put a dish in the dishwasher and you're like, Oh, and you just get like, you know, and you're like, why don't you put the dish in the dishwasher? Mm-hmm. That's a reaction. Mm-hmm. Now, if you were in a state where you were able to recognize and you did some work on this, you could see that glass and you could decide, okay, you did it again. I'm feeling it, but I'm not going to say something this time. This time I'm going to restrain myself and keep my mouth shut until I'm ready to say something. And sometimes you just don't say anything because another thing that he talks about, and this is true, if you want to have a happy relationship and a peaceful one, you need to stop worrying about who's right. And you need to try to think about each other. Mm -hmm. Right. And as women, this, in my opinion, as women, we are conditioned to think way too much about men. Mm -hmm. But then when we learn that we should be doing more for ourselves, we can go overboard that way, which is what I did in my marriage. I went from doing everything that he wanted, being afraid to upset him or make a mad or anything to being like this raging, <laughs> I'm doing it and I'm doing it now. And this is the way it's going to be, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and that didn't work really well for our marriage either. Yeah. So I've come back. I needed to tap into anger to make that happen. Yeah. And then I'm coming back to this place where there's a balance because it's not all about me and it's not all about him, which is why he calls his book us because it's about both people in the relationship. And it's about like loving your life and how you feel on a daily basis with that partner you have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what you pointed to was a concept that I actually teach quite often is that you'll have one side, which is one extreme, and then you have another extreme on the other. So on one side, it's all about him and it's all about what he wants. And then we go to the other side and then it's all about me and what I want and forget what anybody else cares about. Like it's all about me. And I think what we're talking about is to come to the center where it's a balance between what the other person wants and what I want and not being all or nothing, not being one or the other. It's not either, or it's both. We can both have what we want We can both have everything that we need, but we get stuck in these like polarized positions. And sometimes one will go further one way and it actually pushes the other more extreme, the other direction. And if we are able to come to the center, that's where balance is. That's where caring is. That's where collaboration is. If you're on opposite ends, you're competing with each other and nobody's ever going to get fully what they want. But I think that going from one end of the spectrum and kind of flipping to the other end 
is part of the process of learning how to find where the middle is and what a healthy middle place looks like. Because if you don't experience some amount of each extreme, you're not going to know where the middle is. You're not going to know what that means to be in a healthy collaborative relationship. And so we like to say, oh, I did one thing and that was bad. And then I did the opposite thing. That was kind of bad too, but it's part of the process. And we kind of need to go through that process in order to get to the place that we really want to be. Well, yeah. So our partner is not supposed to be our enemy. They're supposed to be our partner. Mm -hmm. And often they, it does often feel like they're the enemy, right? When you're not living consciously and you're just reacting to everything happening around you, it can, it can feel like this person who you're supposed to love and want to have a life with, you want to like kill them. (laughs) So that's how, you know, you're in reactive mode. But here's the thing, in my opinion, and for me, I had to explore my unconscious and subconscious programming Mm -hmm. to be able to get to the other side. So I I recognized all these things. I learned all these things. And one of the big things that people don't realize that they have are what I call primary subconscious brain filters. And it's like the lens of how they look at life. Mm -hmm. So for me, I'll give you three of my top ones. I, I grew up in a family of 10 kids and I'm number nine out of 10. So one of mine was nobody cares what number nine has to say. Mm, Yeah. I grew up in a large family too. And I kind of adopted some of the same things, like what I believe or what I want doesn't matter. Or like nobody listens to me or I don't ever get what I want. Like I was the sixth of nine. And so there was, I mean, I, I can recognize the pressure that that put on my parents to care for the needs of nine small people. And Mm. that is no small feat. And so I don't blame them because part of it is nature and part of it is nurture. So part of it was a function of being the sixth child out of nine, but part of it was my own personality and the way that I interpreted the things that happened around me. So it's not like, oh, it's all my parents' fault. It's also the meanings that I made of the experiences that I had in my life. Right. But a lot of that took place before you were even old enough to know what you were doing. Uh-huh. So, so I, you bring up a good point. None of this is about blame, right? Not even about holding anybody accountable for anything. It's like your curriculum in life was to be in a family of nine. Yeah, My curriculum in life was to be in a family of 10 and it was designed that way for us to learn our lessons. So Mm -hmm. understanding, becoming aware of your primary subconscious brain filters really doesn't have anything to do with anyone else, but you, right? It's a self-discovery where you learn where like, so another one of mine, was that I did something wrong. So whenever uh, somebody didn't answer a text message, didn't matter how long I hadn't talked to the person, I thought I did something wrong. Mm. But it was always like me, like if they weren't talking to me or they weren't responding or they were having a bad day and gave me the cold shoulder, I'd be like, what did I do? Mm. I must've done something wrong. It must be me. The third one was that I've been wronged. And I think a lot of people think of themselves as a victim and then they go into a marriage and they and say, and that's their filter of how they look at things. Mm-hmm. Everything the other person is doing is something wrong to them. And we make it personal. Yeah. Like we're somehow being victimized by this, you know, by our partner. And if you don't know those filters are there, you actually think what you're thinking is factual. You don't realize that it's just your brain BS mm-hmm. that's skewing your perspective and causing you problems that don't actually need to be there. Mm-hmm. So how did I've been wronged or I must have done something wrong? How did that show up in your marriage? If you feel comfortable sharing, what did that look like 
in real time for you? Okay. So I'm in a blended family. Okay. So I, my husband was married. He has um, two of his own children. He adopted his stepchildren. So there's four. So it's kind of an interesting, complicated family. Mm-hmm. Okay. When I came into the mix, I didn't take care of my needs at all. All I did was take care of everyone else, like in an insane way. I stepped in, they, they weren't talking the exes. I got them to be friends. We all hung out together. I went to his his ex-wife for Pilates. I went to her boyfriend for produce. Like I was trying because that, that's another filter that I don't want anyone to think I'm doing. So it's, I, it's like, I could do something wrong. I'm trying so hard not to do something wrong mm. because I'm afraid I'm going to do something wrong because that's my filter. So I go overboard the other way to compensate. Mm-hmm. And then I don't take care of my needs because I think that would be wrong. Mm, so, yeah. so I've been married 20 years now. And over that time, I, a lot of resentment built up and I was blaming it on everyone else in my family, thinking that they were all the problem, but it was really me. Mm-hmm. That was the problem because I wasn't speaking up. Because I was wrong. That sounds really familiar to me. Uh, like my husband and I, we are each other's only spouse that we've ever had, but a lot of the same patterns also existed for me, even though our situation was very different. And um, I just thought that was what I was supposed to do. Just take care of him and make sure that he's happy and cook the food for him and take care of the kids and keep the house clean. And that was my role. That was who I was supposed to be to take care of everybody else. And I also was exhausted and resentful and blaming him for how I didn't have a life. Then I started this work. I was like, oh, wait, this has actually nothing to do with my husband. Who knew? (laughs) Yes, that's just it. That is it in a nutshell. If you are living consciously, you're going inward when you get triggered. Mm -hmm. If you're not in your re- in reactive mode, everything is everyone else's fault. And if only they would all change, everything would be better. But that's never going to happen, number one. And two, that means you're dependent on something outside yourself for peace of mind and to feel joyful. And that's always going to be stressful mm-hmm. because you're always going to be waiting for somebody to do something to mess it up. Right. Because you're never going to have full control over what happens outside of you as much as we try. And sometimes we are able to get to a place of like perceived control where we feel like, okay, well, I'm mostly in control, but that's full of anxiety as well. Because what if one thing happens and then you don't have control anymore and you're constantly having to chase this idea of like making everything be just so in order to be happy, in order to feel okay. And there's no feeling okay in that kind of situation, but we think that we do, we can. And then at some point it unravels, like that's completely unsustainable. We either collapse in burnout or our relationships dissolve. Like they just, it's just unsustainable all around. Yeah. So Terrence Rowe also talks about a relational stance, which is your major way that you are with your partner when you fight. Mm, Okay. Yeah. There's a pattern. Like this one gets a cold shoulder and this one doesn't talk and this one storms out of the room. Like you really have a pattern typically of how you react in these situations until you really explore it and try to do anything about it. He also brings up something else that I think is super interesting. And by the way, all this stuff pertains to every relationship. When I read this book, I'm not even thinking about just marriage. I'm thinking about all of it. Mm -hmm. So one of my favorite concepts that he talks about, I forget his exact words. I think it's one upping and one downing. Hmm, Okay. Like say you and your partner are trying to lose weight. Okay. 
and then you bow tie and then he loses 10 pounds and you don't lose any. And then you're over there on your side and you're like, either you could go into one downing, like, oh my God, I'm never, this is, I just can't do this. I can't do it right. I'm not good enough. It's never going to work. I just don't know how to do it the way my husband does. Mm -hmm. And then you put yourself into an inferior place Mm -hmm. or you could go into one upping where it's like, well, of course he was able to do that. He doesn't have to work like I do. He didn't have to go to the grocery store. He doesn't have to make all the food. He just gets to go exercise all the time. And that's why he is, that's why it was easier for him to lose weight. So then you're putting yourself in a superior mode. But the interesting thing with both is they come from the emotion contempt. So it's either contempt for yourself or contempt for the other person, which when I heard that word, I was like, yes, that's the word that people who are married, it's contempt. Mm. It's not hatred. And sometimes it's not even resentment. It's like just, it's contempt. So it's, it's, um, and he says, and he's absolutely right. Like, that's not what you want. There's no room in a marriage for contempt. Mm-hmm. Not really. Yeah. There, we don't, there is because we all have it, but I mean, that's not what we want to strive for. We want to strive for love. Yeah. I think we were set up in a way to think of each other, think of other people as against us, to be in competition with other people, to be, to be better than like even starting very young in school, well, you got to be the top of your class or you got to be the best athlete or whatever it is that you do, you have to be the best at it, which puts everybody else as your competitor. And then we do that in business you got to make the most money. You got to get the into the best college, like everything. You can look at all the steps in our life and we're put in competition with each other. And then all of a sudden we're like, oh, and get married. And then why would we not look at our marriage as a competition? Because that's how we've, that's been our frame for our entire lives. And so we get married and then like, well, am I more important than him? Am I less important than him? Like who's, who gets what they want this time? You know, and there's a lot of things that people think that they're working together. But what I think it is, I mean, think about the word compromise. People say, well, you got to compromise in marriage. And I 100% disagree with the idea of compromising because compromising, if you look it up in the dictionary, it's a way of weakening your position. It's being vulnerable to attack. It's a weaker position, but we're told, you know, you just got to compromise. So basically nobody really gets what they want or need in a compromised situation. So we're set up to be one of you is better and one of you isn't. And some people kind of go along with it. They're like, well, the Bible says this or this thing says that. And we think, okay, yeah, that's how it's supposed to be. Like the man is supposed to fill this role and the woman is supposed to be this way. And it's sustainable to some degree. But then for me anyway, I can't speak for other people, but for me, I realized, wait, like I am worth it. Um, One thing that happened for us is my husband is a police officer. And so he works shift work. So he would work from like three in the afternoon till two in the morning, or he'll work all night long. And so prioritizing his sleep was important because he goes out to work and I was a stay-at-home parent. So it was my job to keep the kids quiet, but his sleep became more important than mine in my mind. And so when kids got up in the middle of the night, because we were having babies all this time. So it was always my job to take care of, you know, people who wake up in the night, or it was my job to make sure that the house was quiet enough during the day so that he could sleep. And then I found that I was devaluing my own sleep and not realizing that actually I deserve 
sleep just as much as he does. And when I realized that that was my pattern, I was like, my mind was blown because I didn't even realize I was doing it because there was such a good reason. Like if he's tired at work, there's a chance, you know, something really bad could happen to him if he's not like at the peak performance. Um, And so this was it. There was a great, perfect explanation for why his sleep should be so important. And it is. And I'm not saying like, oh, his sleep isn't as important as mine. It's equally important. And so at first we were competing with each other a lot. But when I figured out how to shift from competition to collaboration, now it's a whole different energy. It's a whole different feeling to say, I need this and you need that. And how can we figure this out so that we both get what we need? This is true partnership. This is not one up, one down. This is actual equality, actual partnership so that two people can get out of this hierarchy frame, which if you look for hierarchies, you will find them pretty much everywhere. And it works like in a business, there's the boss and then there's the employees and the supervisors and it works in a business setting, but it does not work in a marriage to have uh, this hierarchy because somebody's needs will not be met if that is the overall frame. Well, okay, so I'm going to, I have a differing point of view. Okay. There are going to be times where your needs don't get met and that's okay because that's life. Like we can't always get our needs met and that hierarchy, the competition, the one upping and one downing, as long as you're a human with the brain, it's never going to go away. Mm -hmm. So it's always going to be there. It might, you might be able to tame it Mm -hmm. and take care of it, but it's always going to show up because it's just part of having an ego and trying to get, you know, your needs met. And then in terms of the compromise, technically in the dictionary, I get what the, I mean, I didn't look it up myself, so I'm trusting you on that definition. But I think regardless of the semantics, the idea is the energy Mm -hmm. behind trying to get each other's needs met. And that's going to be sometimes that you're going to say, okay, we got to do this last week, this, this, and this. And you were willing to concede that. So I'm going to go ahead and do this this week because that's what you want, even though you don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. There's times where that's appropriate and times where it's not. Mm-hmm. And then or you get to know yourself and understand yourself and get into a more responsive mode, then you can decide when you should give in and when you should not. Yes. And, and sometimes you don't want to, right? And sometimes you want to be mad at your partner. And sometimes you want to yell at them. And sometimes you want to storm out of the room. And that's okay, too. But you just want to do it all with awareness. Well, we didn't talk much about the wise adult self. So the wise adult self is your higher self inside you. That's who you want to strive to be in your marriage as much as possible, because that's where you find solutions, collaboration, all the good things, like when things are going well and they feel good and stuff. So the more time you can spend in your wise adult self, who's aware of their adaptive child self and catches themselves when that person show when that part of them shows up mm-hmm. and you're, you're going to have a much more peaceful you know, marriage with a lot more harmony mm-hmm. than when you have two adaptive child selves going at it, um, arguing or whatever, even if you're not arguing, even if the armor goes up, like for me, sometimes when I get upset, like a wall just goes down and I'm just like emotionally not available. Mm-hmm. And then I might be thinking, I don't even care if I see that guy again. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I think that yeah. in the moment, like I'm done. I'm 60 years old. I don't need to put up with this crap anymore or whatever. And I really believe it in that second, but that's my adaptive child self. She just shuts down and because she's number nine out of 10, she wants to go run away and get away from everyone else because it's safer when you're not in the the middle of the tribe and you're different 
or feeling different than everyone else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's all for this episode. Tune in next week for the second half of this conversation. Thanks for listening to the Marriage Bites podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the fun. Let us know what you took away from this episode by sending us an email at info at You can also see what we're up to on Facebook and Instagram at Andalyn Price Coaching. Or you can visit my website, andalynprice.com, to learn more. See you next week. Bye! Bye. And I am so glad to have Maureen here to share her insights. I'm going to quote just one second. Okay. Yeah. The air just kicked on. So I'm covering the <laughs> vent so that it's going to get hot in here, but the noise. Um.